Well, we are in the book of Acts, and next weekend I will have a dynamic, the best Mother's Day sermon I've ever preached. It'll be a special message for all mothers, all women, all young ladies that want to be wives one day. It'll be for the guys. It'll be for, it'll be for everyone, but it's, gonna, it's the best. I guarantee it's the best Mother's Day message I've ever preached. How do I know that? I already preached it. I preached it on Wednesday for KLBK because they have to have the, the message a week before it's played. I know it's confusing. Um, it was Wednesday, and I'm preaching Mother's Day, last Wednesday, but it's a, it's a good message, so you're, you're going to get it live next weekend, Lord willing. Uh, we're in the book of Acts, though. We're going to continue where we left off last weekend. We're in the 18th chapter. I've entitled the message, The Wow of a Vow. The Wow of a Vow. We're going to be reading out of Acts chapter 18, beginning really in verse 18, and uh, really one verse of Scripture. If you can, stand to your feet out of respect for the opening and reading of God's holy word. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went nearby to Centria. There he shaved his head, according to Jewish custom, making the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this prophetic moment, for the beginning of houses of worship in our state and in our city and our community beginning to open. Thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Thank you that God, by the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and by following the proper recommendations of medical professionals, we will be able to gather once again starting next weekend officially. This is by the good hand of your favor upon us that we're able to do that, and we give you all the glory. Thank you for your continued blessing, strength, and health with those that are afflicted by this disease, those that are recovering, and those that are grieving for the loss of loved ones. We pray your continued grace being poured out now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. What's interesting here in Acts 18 is the great Apostle Paul, it tells us that as he's leaving Corinth and uh, spent a couple of years there, 18 months there, as he's leaving, he shaves his head, according to Jewish custom, in fulfilling of a vow. That caught me by surprise, uh, because here is Paul, who was the preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, and yet... As a Jew, now a Messianic Jew, he is fulfilling a vow, a vow. Now, what vow is this? Most commentators, if you dig really deep uh, into this, evidently it was a Nazarite vow that the, the Apostle Paul had taken prior to his conversion, more than likely, prior to his conversion. And in the fulfillment of this vow, the thing he had to do was shave his head. So, I wanted to dig in and I wanted to understand biblically for you what is a vow, and do we still make vows today? Now, a vow is a personal promise to do a certain thing for the Lord. I make this vow as unto the Lord. A vow is different from an oath, okay? Uh, an oath is a promise not to do a certain thing before the Lord. So a vow is a promise to do a certain thing uh, uh, for the Lord. A vow is to promise not to do or an oath is a promise not to do a certain thing before the Lord. Usually, an oath is performed before witnesses uh, that are appointed. So, when a vow or an oath was taken, basically it was a guarantee. 
that you were, you were going to fulfill it. Uh, the Bible talks much, it has a lot to say about vows, and the Bible warns you, do not make a vow unto the Lord unless you're going to keep that vow. The wow behind a vow. Now today, for many people, not for those of us that are 40 and older, but for many people, this is kind of the first time in our lifetime where we have experienced shortages. I can remember when I was 10 years old, 1973, uh, was when the gas uh, crisis, the oil crisis began to hit, and I can remember being in the automobile with my mother and waiting in line to get gas uh, in 1973. Shortage, gas shortages during that period of time. Now, during this pandemic, we are experiencing shortages, right? Uh, you can't buy disinfecting wipes, uh, toilet paper. Once it's, on the, it's, come, once it's there, it's gone. <laughs> you know, they limit what you can buy. Uh, they're saying that perhaps even protein, different proteins, meats, uh, might be in shortage. So we are now, this generation, really many people, many young people for the first time are experiencing shortages. But let me tell you something. The biggest shortage today is truth-telling. Truth is in short supply uh, in our world today, particularly in the United States of America. You know, the mainstream media, it really, if you don't already know this, it really, my friend, it really does slant the truth. Uh, the, the mainstream media and, and entertainment industry and Hollywood, they, they really have an agenda, and so they use truth or they use facts to their own advantage. Now, we know many times truth can be very subjective. As Christians, we know that truth is not subjective, it's objective, and truth is absolute. We believe in absolute truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, for many people, truth is subjective, right? There's my version of truth, your version of truth, and then there is the truth, okay? But we know what is truth, Thy word, Jesus said, is truth. And God's word is not subjective. Uh, God's word is absolute. But truth can be, for many people, subjective. And so the power of, of, a, of a vow is that you are committing to something, and it is a commitment of, of a truthful statement that you are about to make that come hell or high water, you're going to abide by it. You're going to fulfill the execution of that vow. Now, God expects us to tell the truth, to be truth tellers. Jesus said, you know, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned, Matthew 12, 37. Jesus himself talked about vows, talked about when you speak, and in Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says this, just a simple yes, I will, or a no, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something's wrong. That's what Jesus said. Your, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. To every child of God, you don't have to sign a contract to buy a home. You don't have to sign a contract to borrow money. You don't have to sign a contract to purchase a car. Because when you as a Christian, a God-fearing Christian, when you give your word, you will keep your word. And your word is your 
bond. Unfortunately, many times that's not the case. Unfortunately, Christian businessmen and businesswomen, particularly Christian businessmen, uh, many times they, they have a bad rap, right? Uh, so many people in the years that I've been a Christian 40 years, and I've been in a, a church, I've been in part of a local church for 40 years, and it's sad to say many times I've talked to business people that will have told me, I'll go into business with anyone but a Christian. Boy, it shouldn't be that way, right? Uh, we should be the most uh, upstanding and outstanding individuals, and if for some reason beyond our own abilities, beyond, because of circumstances, beyond our own ability, if we have to back out of an agreement, we ask for permission, we ask for forgiveness, but to him that swears to his own and changeth not, Psalm 15, 4 says, which means what? If you give your word, your word is your bond, and whatever it takes, I don't care if it's $5 a month for the rest of your life, you're going to make it good. You're going to make it right to the best, to the best of your ability. So the closer you and I live to truth, the more whole and complete our lives will be. And that's why the goal in life is to live a life of integrity. The word integrity means wholeness, and it means to close the gap between what we say and what we do. 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 To thine own self be true. If you say you're going to do something, keep your commitments. If you say you're going to get up and you're going to pray, then get up and pray. Don't live under legalism or don't condemn yourself or anything crazy like that. But if you say you're going to go exercise, then go exercise. If you, what you say, you're going to do because let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And when you live that way, you don't have to swear to God. You don't have to make an oath. You don't have to make a vow because your word is enough. Now, there are three famous vows, though, in the Bible. Three famous vows in the Bible. Jacob made a vow to pay his tithes, his 10% to God. You can find that in Genesis 28. He made a vow, and he said, because you are the one true God, I will prove my faith in you by giving you 10%. You know, that touched the heart of God. If you read the story of Jacob, that so touched the heart of God. 21 years later, in Genesis 31, from Genesis 28 to Genesis 31, 21 years later, God affirms this man's faith because this man made a pledge. He made a vow that he would honor God with 10%, and he did, and God blessed him from that moment forward and then reaffirms it in chapter 31 of Genesis. Hannah, Hannah made a vow. She, had, she was childless. And she said, God, if you bless me with a child, I will dedicate him to the Lord. And God blessed her with a son. She named him Samuel, which means asked of God. And she took him to the house, of, to the temple, and she dedicated her firstborn son to the Lord. And, and then the Lord blessed her with many other children. And then Job. Job, you know, many vows in the Bible, but I wanted to give you three to give you a taste of what a, who these people are that made these vows, because it's not wrong to make a vow. It should be rare. It should be rare, but it's not wrong. Paul made a vow. To keep the vow, he shaved his head. That's what we're talking about. Job made a vow. Uh, and what was the vow that Job made in Job 31, verses 1 and 2? He said, I made a covenant or a vow with my eyes not to look with lust upon a girl 
I know full well that the Almighty God above sends calamity on those who do. So uh, these are three great examples of great individuals in the Bible outside of Paul in, in our study here in Acts 18 who made a vow. So are our vows biblical? Well, under the new covenant, they're acceptable but not advisable. Okay? Vows are acceptable but not advisable because we live under the New Testament. And we live under the dispensation of grace. And because we live under the dispensation of grace and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, we represent Christ. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Your word is enough. Your simple yes, your simple no is all it takes. You don't need to pile it on, right, by trying to convince someone that you are a person of your word. You know, usually in tight spots, we begin to make deals with God. Have you ever been there? I remember I was not saved yet. I was not saved yet, but I had a consciousness of God and went hunting in Grants, New Mexico, Mount Taylor area. Uh, lifted up for Grants. The mayor there is, <laughs> is defying the, the governor's orders, and he's opened up this little town for business. But anyway, I was uh, hunting with, with three friends, and we literally got lost all day, all night, lost. And uh, I was out of bullets, out of food, out of water, out of patience. My legs were cramping up, <laughs> and I began to make deals with God. If you'll, if you'll let me get out of this, God, I'll serve you with all my heart. And he, he got me out of that, and uh, I didn't immediately start serving him. But I could say I have fulfilled that vow, that promise I made to God. So be careful, though, when you make a promise to God, because uh, he will expect you to, to keep it. Even a rash vow. Jephthah's a guy that made a, uh, a rash vow in the Old Testament, and uh, you can read about that. Now, what's the most important vow you've, you've made? It's not a true question, right, Gary? Right? Your marriage vows. Isn't that interesting? They're called marriage vows, and you're, 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 you're making a promise to the Lord and to that person uh, based on those vows. Now, don't get legalistic. Did you know that even Jesus, he, he uh, honored the official oath of an adjuration from Caiaphas by breaking his silence during his trial and speaking in response to an official question by a high priest, and it's found in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64, where Caiaphas basically yelled at our Lord and Savior, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say. You realize he was under oath, and under that oath he was obligated and required to speak the truth, and that's one of the rare times when he admitted who he was. He allowed others to confess who he was. He, he didn't go around saying, I'm, I'm God, I'm the Son of God. So not only do we have Jesus as an example of saying something under oath, because, you know, Christians, there's, there's, there's wonderful Christians, the Quaker, Christians of the Quaker persuasion, who believe it's a sin to, to be in a trial and to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, that they, they say that they can't do that. The founder, George Fox, actually went to prison, went to jail, because he refused to, to uh, swear an oath in a court of law. Uh, God bless him for his conviction. But please, be at, be at ease and be at peace. You can, you can give an oath like that. You can give an oath like that. Uh, even the Apostle Paul, a couple of examples, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.23, he said, I call God as my witness that it was 
to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. I call God as my witness. In other words, I swear before Almighty God. Now, that should never really come out of your mouth unless it's sincerely meant, and it should only happen once or twice in a lifetime, if you want to use Paul as, as an example. Another example, Romans chapter 1, verse 9. God, this is Paul talking, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of His Son, is my witness how I constantly remember you. So on rare, rare occasions, Paul used vows, Paul used oaths, or Paul swore to reinforce that what he was telling you, I speak the truth and I lie not. And the reason being that's important today is because we have such a shortage of truth. Politicians lie all the time. Preachers even lie all the time. The media lies all the time. And, and now lying has become such commonplace. You know, spouses lie, kids lie. This lie has become the new language. And remember, <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus warned us that the devil is the father of all lies. So let our yes be yes, let our no be uh, no. So how does this relate to your life? Um, well, what deductions can we draw concerning our own speech, right? Our everyday conversation. Making a vow or taking an oath, it is permitted, but it's not encouraged. Uh, it, sometimes in a civil uh, oath-taking in a court of room is, is required, and if it is, you are permitted to do that, but it should be rare as it was rare in the life of the Apostle Paul. So oaths and vows are not a normal part of New Testament living, kingdom living, because kingdom people, kingdom people, uh, we now live in a personal commitment to Christ, and we live out that personal commitment to Christ by letting our yes be yes and, and allowing our no to be no. A minister was preaching to his congregation, and he said, next week I'm going to preach online, but I want every single one of you to read Mark 17 before next Sunday. How many of you promised to read Mark 17 before next Sunday, that, that my sermon? And they all raised their hand. And he got up next Sunday and said, okay, I'm going to preach online, but I need to, I asked you last week if you were going to read Mark 17. He said, how many of you read Mark 17? And they all raised their hand. He said, so I am going to preach online today because there is no Mark 17. <laughs> it only goes to chapter 16, the gospel of Mark. So the wow of a vow. And then verses 18 through 21 of, of uh, Acts, verses 19 through 21, it says, they stopped first at the port of Ephesus where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. And as he left, however, he said, I will come back later. So he's given his word, God willing. Then he set sail for Ephesus. The power of a vow and the power of of speaking God's will over a situation. Paul had every intention to come back, to go back. But Paul was at the mercy of the plan of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. So he had to, he had to adjust his commitment. He had to say, if it's up to me, I'm going to be back. But many times it's not up to us. So I will come back later, God willing. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, right? He's a saint, right? <laughs> he's, not, he's not using this to manipulate people. He's not using this, you know, he's not using bravado. He's, he's, he's not 
in any way trying to be deceptive or manipulative, manipulative in any way. He's simply saying, my heart is to come back, but I don't know if God will allow it. So let me say this. In, in the natural, I want to come back, God willing. You know how rare that phrase is in the Bible? I did some research. It shows up two other times in the New Testament. That's it. In 1 Corinthians 4 19, the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but with, with power. So Paul said, I, I, I want to come back to you if the Lord allows it. James, I think the most famous verse on the will of the Lord is James 4.15. Let's read it out loud together. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. A lot of times, James is saying, we make plans, we're going to go on vacation, we're going to go here, we're going to do business over there, and, and you should plan. There's nothing wrong with planning. He that fails to plan, plans to fail, right? But we don't want to plan apart from the overall plan of God, and we have to be sensitive to what the Lord's will may be, because sometimes we don't specifically know what God's will is. And I think that's one of the greatest discoveries in life, one of the greatest struggles as a Christian is truly knowing the will of the Lord for our lives. The power of knowing the will of God. E.C. Baird said, you ask, what is the will of God? Well, here's the answer true. The nearest thing that should be done that God can do through you. David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, he said, I'd rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of the will of God. The will of God is so important. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he prayed in that hour of, of great stress as the weight of sin and the sin of the world was about to be placed upon him. And he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. All right, when it comes to the will of God, there are two aspects, two categories to the will of God. What are they? The revealed will of God and the secret will of God. Two, God's will is divided into two categories. The revealed will of God and the secret will of God. Look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, there are secrets the Lord your God has not revealed to us, but these words that he has revealed are for us and our children to obey forever. So there is the secret will of God, and then there is the revealed will of God. So what would be under the category of the revealed will of God for our lives? Well, the Ten Commandments or the revealed will of God. I mean, oh, it is the revealed will of God. It, it is a, there is <laughs> no question whatsoever, thou shalt not murder, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. This is the revealed will of God. And we're to pray that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to work towards that end. Um, in John six twenty nine, Jesus told them, this is the will of God that you believe in the one he has sent. So 
The revealed will of God is quite clear. Jesus is Lord, and God's will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. First uh, Thessalonians 4.3, let's read this out loud to get together. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That is the clearly, the clear revealed will of God for all of our lives. There's no mystery. There's no secret to that. One more, one more example. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, let's read this out loud together. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we are obligated to seek godly wisdom to know what God's will is, both the revealed and the secret will of God. Now, what might be the secret will of God? Uh, look at Romans eleven thirty three. This is an interesting verse. Paul says, frankly, I stand amazed at the unfathomable complexity of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. How could a man ever understand his reasons for action or explain his methods of working? Uh, that, that verse is so powerful, even the TV monitor can't sustain it because it's flickering, right? And uh, who knows, I need to maybe plug it in better. Just, it's bugging me. Okay, OCD on me. There we go. That should fix it. Lay hands on it. Amen. Paul stood amazed. He could not even begin to fathom or comprehend the complexity of God's wisdom. One more verse concerning the secret will of God. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, But as for that day and hour, nobody knows it, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, no one but the Father alone. Not even Jesus knew when he was going to come back. <laughs> I mean, he's the Lord, like the Father's like, just stay ready. Is it today? Not today. You know? But just stay ready. Amen. Um, so there's the secret will of God, and sometimes that's the struggle in life, is I want to do this, Lord willing. Now, it's not a cop-out. Sometimes Christians overuse the vows and overuse the oaths and overuse uh, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, if, I'll see you tomorrow if the Lord wills. I mean, it's like it comes out, you know, like, like automatic. And, I, and we just need to be careful with that. It's, it's so special, we want to truly use it for special moments. You following me? You following me online? All right? Can I get a shout? Can I get an amen in, in here and over out there? Amen. Amen. So the, the revealed will of God is, listen, listen, the revealed will of God is for everyone to be married unless you're called to be a single. So it's the revealed will of God. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, be joined his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It is the revealed will of God so that the human race would continue for there to be marriage between one man and one woman. That is the revealed will of God, except for those called to be single. And some of the greatest human beings that ever lived, Jesus, Paul, and others, were single. That's the revealed will of God. The secret will of God is who of the seven billion people, well, we know half are women, so that takes, now it's down to 3.5 billion. Of the 3.5 billion people, well, you're probably going to marry somebody in proximity and affinity, so that's uh, in America, so now you get down to 320 million people. Of the 320 million people, well, then narrow it down to Texas, amen, I don't know. Narrow it down to Lubbock, how many women are in Lubbock? Narrow it down to how many women are in your church, amen, that are eligible for marriage, I don't know. That's the trick. We don't know the secret will of God always. And that's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not to our own understandings, but in all our ways acknowledge Him. That's why we have to seek and understand the leading of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, the Word of God, to discover the secret 
will of God related to the revealed will of God. And I want to take a moment to celebrate a beautiful couple in our church who are on staff who yesterday they just got married, Colin and Naomi McClendon. Let's give it up for Colin and Naomi. Oh, what a beautiful couple they are. Truly a match made in heaven. And I will say, he was the will of God for her life, and she was the will of God for his life. And uh, it comes by way of discovery, right? Sometimes trial and error, and sometimes through a vision or through a a dream or through confirmation. uh, and, And remember, the secret will of God will never violate the revealed will of God, okay? So, knowing the will of God. Let me give you one quick example. In the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, Genesis 50, verse 20, is that famous verse when he tells his brothers, you meant this for evil. God meant it for good. In this beautiful story and in this beautiful verse, you see the revealed will of God and the secret will of God. The revealed will of God was for Joseph's brothers to love him, to support him, to be kind to him, to believe in him, not to lie to him, not to deceive him, not to try to murder him, and not to sell him as a slave. The revealed will of God was clear. But then, even when man does that which is evil, God can bring about good. The secret will of God, behind the scene, was God was going to take that which they meant for evil, and he was going to use it for good. And boy, did God use it for good. I'll be back next year, Lord willing. I want, to, I, want to, I want to see you again, and if the Lord wills it, it will happen. I'm going to do everything in my power to, to come back to Corinth. I'm going to do everything in my power to come back and see you, and if the Lord wills, it'll happen. I don't have to make an oath. I don't have to vow a vow. I'm, my word is my bound, but it's conditioned. It's conditioned on what the Lord has in store. And for all of us, there's the revealed will of God for your life, and then there's the secret will of God for your life. And in many areas of your life, that secret will has not yet been revealed, but it will one day be revealed. As you and I continue to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to end uh, by reading two final verses of Scripture, verses 22 and 23, and then we'll pick up in two weeks where we left off, because next week's special Mother's Day message. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, in order, strengthening all the disciples. I love this about the Apostle Paul, and this is his third missionary journey now that's officially beginning here in the 18th chapter, particularly right here at this juncture in the chapter, his third and final missionary journey that was recorded here in the book of Acts. And he says, I want to go back and visit the churches and the believers that I help lead to the faith and the churches I help build because I want to strengthen the disciples. In my personal devotional reading through Scripture this morning, I read Acts 15.32, and it says, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much, they said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. 
these prophets in the New Testament church, they said much to strengthen the believers. It's the heart of God that the business we should be about is really three things. Everything we do here at Trinity is really for three reasons. Number one, to glorify God. Number two, to win souls. And number three, to strengthen all believers. And that work of discipling, it's really, in one other translation it says, uh, the disciples. Really, the way we, you strengthen one another is through your words, your prophetic words, ultimately through the spoken word, the revealed will of God. That's what strengthens us, and that's why we need the houses of worship to be open again. We can do a lot online. God bless the, the technology, but there's nothing like the people of God being together in the house of God where the presence of God comes upon them. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this lesson, this teaching here in Acts 18. Thank you for the wow behind the vow. Thank you for understanding the revealed and the secret will of God. May your will continue to be done in the heart and life of every person within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, may we know what your will is. And may we make a pledge. May we make a vow that above all else, we want to do the will of God. Sometimes our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Help us during those times, O God. And thank you for your grace and mercy that's always there for us. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you that are watching online, if you've never accepted Christ or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, right here, right now, that can happen. I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and invite Christ into your life, or I'm going to ask you to repent of your sin, Christian. Come back into relationship and fellowship with, with the Lord. Pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us that are here tonight. Here we go. With your, say it with your own mouth. Mean it from your own heart. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you, serve you all the days of my life. Beginning today, for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise.